Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. When you hear someone talk about blood sugar, you might zone out. That's because a lot of us think that it's only relevant to people with type 2 diabetes. But blood sugar is a topic that everyone should understand. If you want to feel good and have energy, you need to balance your blood sugar. Research shows that even healthy people have wild swings in their blood sugar right after they eat, and spikes in blood sugar make your pancreas work harder. They also make you older, and they put you at a greater risk for weight gain, heart attack, and stroke. Here's why I'm talking about this. Bioptimizers has a new product called Blood Sugar Breakthrough. You take two capsules 15 minutes before a meal. Your body will push carbs and glucose into your muscles for use as fuel instead of fat. That means you get stable energy and you don't have that post-meal crash. Better yet, you can improve your workouts and get better gains at the gym. But the biggest benefit is that it'll improve your overall health. Just go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health/dave for an exclusive 10% off. For 25 years, I've had a strong passion for understanding the science behind why we age and what we can do about it. One of the most groundbreaking discoveries in the last two decades is senolytics. Senolytics are plant-derived or pharmaceutical ingredients that can help your body drop old, worn-out cells. Scientists call them senescent cells, and in my books, I call them zombie cells. As you age, those senescent cells build up in your body. They live for a long time, and they eat up your energy. There is a hack for this. It's called Qualia Senolytic. Your podcast sponsor, Neurohacker Collective, created Qualia Senolytic. It eliminates those zombie cells and has a clinical study that supports its effectiveness. I really felt a difference in how my body moved after just a couple months on Qualia Synolytic. It's upped my energy level even more, and my joints feel really good. If you're over 30 and you want to use a clinically tested formula to help you feel younger, try Qualia Synolytic. To get younger now, visit neurohacker.com Dave and try it risk-free for up to 100 days. Use code DAVE at checkout to get 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave. Use code DAVE. Today's cool fact of the day is that vitamin D supplements are made by exposing oils from animal skin to UV radiation. That means that vitamin D3 uses animal products, so it's not vegan. It's especially bad because if you're vegan, there's only one source of vegan vitamin D in food, and that would be freshly picked shiitake mushrooms that you carefully set upside down in the sun for six hours, at which point the fresh mushrooms would be able to make enough vitamin D to supplement properly. If you don't take that step as a vegan, you'll need to eat 551 cups of shiitake mushrooms per day in order to get the level of vitamin D that I take on a daily basis. We have a great interview with Roger Lawson from rogelawfitness.com. Roger, who goes by Raj, is a strength training and nutrition expert who works with clients through the All Access Fitness Academy and through his website at rogelawfitness.com. After only a few years, Roger's become an authority on all things fitness, and he's really focused on the mental aspect of training and how focusing your mind will improve your ability to perform physically. Roger describes his philosophy as sexification. The goal is to focus on becoming the most complete person possible in the gym and elsewhere. It should be pretty obvious 
to listeners by now why we invited Roger to be on the show, because his focus is very similar to the Bulletproof focus that says it's not just about looking good or about being able to do a lot of pull-ups. It's actually about looking good and feeling good and performing well. Roger comes on Upgraded Self Radio to show you how you can optimize your time in the gym for maximum fun and health. Well, now we're going to move on to our exclusive interview with Roger Lawson from RogerLawFitness.com. Roger, thank you for coming on. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. It is a great pleasure to be here on this fine Friday uh, afternoon. um, Do you think you could just tell us a little bit about you and like how you got interested (laughs) in fitness and just how you're in this position right now with your awesome website and everything? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's I, I feel like I kind of got started in fitness through a common way that a lot of people usually do. Just just they want to look better, and it's it's not something I really took seriously until college. But I remember when I first started working out, quote unquote, was uh man probably eighth grade, which last didn't last more than a month. There was this girl I was trying to impress, and I knew nothing about working out or anything at that point, but I got like a 10-pound dumbbell from um, this place called Kmart in the Midwest. I'm not sure uh, if anyone else is familiar with it, but just got like a 10-pound dumbbell. I was just doing curls every night, just like hundreds of reps. It did absolutely nothing for me at all, so I was like, man, well, that was a wasted month. So I kind of stopped um, training until pretty much college at that, and that's when I really got into uh, fitness, and that would be that was about 2007. Um, I was I was into English. I was an English literature graduate, so I didn't didn't have my degree in exercise physiology or anything. But what really got me into fitness was actually, you know, once I you know got involved on the internet and started browsing all these websites, uh, kind of like T Nation and places like that. Uh, I just I saw once I got started with the program, I just saw the power of, you know, change, physical change and how it could, you know, enhance your life and, you know, the psychology and how you see yourself and how the world perceives you. And I really wanted to, you know, spread that and help people, you know, feel the same way that I felt because I've only really been lifting uh, seriously since maybe 2000, since 2009. I got started in 2007, but wasn't anything great. It was just getting introduced to um, a lot of things cool. such as like barbell exercise and things like that. But Yeah, it's all good. Oh, man. No, obviously this is definitely going to be yeah. about you, but I've never heard of the uh, Precision Nutrition Lean Eating Program. Could you just share a little about both what that is and what you learned? The Precision Nutrition uh, Lean Eating Program is run over there by John Berardi and his team. And when I did it, I'm sure it's gone through many changes since since uh, that's how they roll over there, Precision Nutrition. But um, it's a, it was a six-month habit-based course, so there wasn't any, you know, it, it wasn't kind of following the approach that I follow now, which is, goes as far as, like, tracking calories and things like that. It was more about building habits over time that lead you in the direction of the body that you want to have as well as the mindset to really be able to, you know, do those things on a regular basis, not just when you want to look good, and, you know, fall off the wagon as soon as you get to the point where you're like, OK, I'm happy with what I am. And then I'll go back to the way that I usually eat, which is, you know, kind of crap for most people. So it was um, it was an online based system. So they definitely had videos and they had lessons um, like daily emails and weekly homework assignments to really keep people on track as far as, you know, what how, how to develop those habits. So if. 
if your uh, listeners haven't heard of the Precision Nutrition System, it was similar to that and the, the principles that is based around like such as eating, you know, every three to four hours, eating lean proteins with each meal, uh, vegetables with each meal, things like that. But they expanded it so that you could, you know, integrate it into your life. It was more of a a very extensive tutorial through the system, but it also, you know, touched on lifestyle factors. Like I remember one of the assignments that they had us do was uh, to buy a new workout outfit just to, you know, not not look ratty when you go to the gym because how you how you look, you know, even when you go to the gym affects how you feel at times and how you perform. So I bought like this uh, this <laughs> this Under Armour outfit, like the Under Armour leggings and the top. I even got the face mask, even though it was summertime. I don't know why, but you know, when you when you go into the gym feeling good, it definitely affects your you know your mental state of being. And that always carries over to the physical. But it was definitely a, a worthwhile experience, and I'm glad that I went through it because it taught me a fair amount of mental toughness and just sticking to uh, the program that you're on, you know, and trusting in the process. And that's, I think right. that's definitely yeah, something I'll that, that a lot of people can learn to, uh, to implement. That pretty cool. There are a lot of great books out there, obviously, that have great kind of training programs and Training formats like uh, I know I'm just looking at this uh, core performance like book over my wall here and and obviously those are great for beginners but at what point do you think people really start needing a more customized training plan or should people really try and focus on that from the very beginning? Yeah, I definitely think you know, especially as you know the the society that we're in today, a customized program really is best for people because it sets them off on the right path. You know, um, more, more often than not, a lot of people end up sitting their whole day, you know, at least I'd say, man, at least 12 hours out of the day, say you're at work for eight hours, you know, you might have an hour commute there. So that's nine an hour back. That's 10. And then any sitting you do at home before you actually go to bed, we spend most of our time sitting and those, you know, that seated position affects a lot of people in different ways more than it does some others. So if someone were to take a, a one-size-fits-all approach to their programming, you know, the exercises might be appropriate for one person, but due to that, you know, the state that they're in from all the, you know, just everyday life that they're living, it might, some of the exercises might not be appropriate for them. They, you know, as far as from, from a mobility standpoint, uh, you know, someone might be, you know, flexion intolerant and they're, you know, which is for their low back. And they might, you know, encounter some exercises that do the more harm and good, but they wouldn't know that just blindly going into it. So I definitely think uh, an assessment which leads to that customized program is a big piece of the puzzle for most people. But in general, I'd say that honestly, if you are, if you have good levels of mobility, good levels of, you know, flexibility and uh, things like that. A, a one-size-fits-all program isn't the worst thing that you could do. Though, you know, my number one rule is kind of do no harm. If, if I can't help someone, the, the least that I can do is not hurt them or make them worse. So if you are in a good position where you can kind of get by on any program, right. it might not be yeah, optimal, but it's better than doing nothing is kind of as far as I'm well concerned. Most people, like I know a lot of people say like, the big three or the big three or four, like squat, bench press, deadlift, chins, like those kind of things that work for most people? 
I love the big three and just the big compound movements. But I also recognize that, you know, due to, due to limitations in equipment and where people are in the world, you know, everyone might not have access to those. So I like to focus more on principles as opposed to, you know, certain exercises. Um, one thing I would focus on above all else is just to make sure that whatever you're doing, you can progress on it. So, for instance, if, you know, someone has a five-pound dumbbell and they're doing curls all day, that might not be the best way to go about it just because, you know, you can't progress beyond it because you're limited to that weight. And that's why the things like the squat and the, you know, deadlift and chin-ups are so great is because they have, you know, a great amount of progression within them. So say if you start off with, you know, 135 pounds on the deadlift, you know, five pounds a week, 10 pounds a week, you know, for the first couple of weeks, you know, you are progressing every workout, every time you do the deadlift. So you're bound to get stronger and the more weight you lift, that'll only serve to help, uh, you know, your body composition. And that's, you know, that's usually what most people are after. But you also want to make sure that it's whatever you're doing is applicable in the long run, saying that, you you know, if if an exercise is bothering you and it, you don't like it, it's probably not something that you're going to do on a regular basis. Like, for instance, I I don't actually like the deadlift for me because, you know, it hurts. So after years of uh, struggling with it, like keep, I keep going back. I'm like, all right. It's like I'm in an abusive relationship. Like, okay. I know deadlift hurts me, but it's good for me, so I got to go back to it. But every time I do it, I end up hurt, take a week off. I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this again. I've learned my lesson, and then I end up going back. And that was, you know, that was a big struggle for me for a while, but eventually I ended up taking it out of the program and putting in uh, some, you know, more hamstring exercises that are a bit more uh, effective in the long term because, A, they don't hurt, and I actually like them. So, you know, you definitely have to like whatever you are doing, if you plan on sticking with it in the long term. So no matter what ex what what people tell you or how good an exercise is, if you don't like it, odds are you aren't gonna do it and aren't gonna be able to progressively, you know, overload over time. And that's really what you would want to focus on in terms of any programming, really, even if you're going after, you know, muscle size, because muscle size definitely does chase strength gains for the most part. I mean you can get by with lifting, you know, sub-maximal weights, definitely. But if you're chasing strength, odds are the look, as you get stronger, the look that you want, as long as your diet's in place, will kind of follow that. Well, and that's yeah, uh, one of the main principles I, I definitely follow with myself and my clients. How do you kind of make good goals that are conducive to real needs and wants? Yeah, I mean, I th I think it's absolutely critical because um, more often than not, a lot of people set goals, um, you know, for themselves that, you know, they it sounds good in their head and it sounds good to be able to tell other people that they're pursuing these goals, but it's not really something they want. And um, for instance, uh, I see this commonly where I'm at and, you know, it goes, it goes kind of something like this. A lot of people their first foray into fitness is through running and they think that's the only way to get into, into shape, which, you know, is definitely not, but they, they, they see it and they have that tunnel vision and it feels good for them to say, okay, I'm going to run a half marathon or a marathon. And when they say it out loud to people, people are, you know, they're pumped up. They're like, yeah, you know, you, you know, you're taking charge of your life, you're getting off the couch, you're doing something 
And then that it kind of feeds into that feedback loop. They say, okay, I say this, people give me people give me this response, and it makes me feel good about what I'm doing. But you know, check in with them, you know, one or two months later. You know, sometimes they're injured and their their motivation is dwindling. They and it's because they don't even like the goal that they're pursuing. And that's one thing I think that you absolutely have to have down pat. At least for the most part, you definitely want to sit down with yourself and really see where you want to go. Because honestly, no one's forcing you to go where you want to go. You have to do it because you want to. So if that's the case, then you might as well actually want to pursue the goal that you're achieving or you want that you want to achieve and make sure that it's your own and not someone else's. And um, I, I kind of I wrote a post about this on my site. It's called uh, don't, don't keep up. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. And I was actually talking to a friend about this uh, last weekend and we were talking about you know how he he's chasing a certain strength goal just because you know he feel he, he kind of goes back and forth and it's always that constant battle once you see someone else doing something you're like I kind of want to do that too even if you know in the back of your head you're like I really don't want to do it what am I doing it's, it's that back and forth struggle so I definitely you know want people to be able to concretely say okay i want to lose you know x amount of pounds and i know why because once you know the why you know the how and the actually doing it becomes a lot easier yeah and yep and yeah you definitely need those reminders i'd I'd set in place reminders as to why you want that goal because you know depending on what the goal is it might be you know years or months away and you know willpower and motivation kind of fade over time they dwindle and you know if you don't have any reminders as to why along the way it feels like this huge road and you're like wow i'm here at step one i need to take thousands of steps to get to where i want to be and it just seems so daunting of a task so you definitely want to have reminders as to why you're doing it and and what i i like to to do is from that standpoint it's to tie people's goals into something, uh, you know, internal. So let's say if someone's chasing a strength goal, you know, being strong for strong sake is, you know, good in and of itself. But w- why do you really want to do it? What benefit will it give you other than bragging rights when you're talking to, you know, your friends? And I like to tie that into what that person kind of wants to be outside of the gym. So, for instance, you know, I want to be a strong deadlifter because, or pull up at pull-ups because I love rock climbing and I love being active and things like that. If you tie it into something outside of just X amount of numbers on the or X amount of pounds on a certain lift, it definitely helps keep you more focused on the long term instead of just these short-term gains that you know right. might yeah, take a while to actually achieve and might you might burn out in the process. Blog, which I love called sexification and if you could explain that to people yeah i mean but uh do you explain that and what that what you're trying to do with that right that'd be great uh yeah i uh i i love that term i i kind of came about it in a weird way there was a show show called the jamie fox show a couple no not a couple years well like a decade ago and he always had a way with randomly twisting words to make them mean something else so there was this word he used all the time called blow up, blow up, shoot. And what that means is to blow up and, and kind of get big. So let's say if I was homeless and I, you know, I'm talking to someone and I have this plan to make millions, I say, okay, you know, 
I'm 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 broke right now, but I got plans to blow up Shuei in the future. Everything is just gonna blow up Shuei. It's gonna get beautiful and big and and wonderful. And that always made me laugh. And then when I was designing my website, I was like, okay, I want I want this I want some kind of core focus to kind of drive the work that I do. So I'm not just randomly writing things that don't lead you know my readers in a certain direction. And I kind of came up with sexification. And what I found out quickly after writing, uh, figuring that out is that it's definitely not just about your physique, although it's an important part. Um, you know, in a, in a nutshell, sexification is really all about being, being your best you, being who you are and not really being ashamed of that or letting other people's opinions of you or, you know, perception of you change that because it's really easy to be someone else in this world. You know, if, you know, it's easy to see a, a popular personality and try and duplicate them. And then, you know, it could be years later down the route, uh, down the road after you're pursuing that path, you realize you're like, I wasn't even, I didn't even really want this. I've, I've been pursuing this thinking that's what I wanted. You get there. You're like, wow. I wasn't being true to myself. It's not what I wanted. And then once that facade's gone, you just have a just this empty shell and you're like, okay, I need to fill it with something else. And it's a cycle. So what what sexification really is all about is just being your awesome you. So whatever you are, you know, just embrace it. So if you like if you like collecting, I, I said this the other day, if you like collecting pogs and that that's what you wanna do, that's what you're awesome at, just be be the shit at that, you know. You want to be awesome in whatever you do and, you know, don't be deterred by outside forces. And it's that, you know, it's not an easy thing to do because the world always tries to put you in a box and it, it always wants you to be one thing. But, you know, you know, we as humans are just, you know, we're, we're walking contradictions and that's OK. You got to be OK with that, you know, but it's, it's really about just being comfortable in your own skin and living the life that you want to live and. And that's it's it's powerful once you really start to work towards it and realize that the world needs a lot more of those kinds of people as opposed to, you know, just how important do you think mental strength is in a fitness program? Like you place a lot of emphasis on kind of the psychological aspect of training. It's it's critical, man, because, you know, I'll, I'll tell you if it doesn't matter what program you're on. Or how you could have the most awesome program laid out for you, but if you don't have that that mental stickativity, I think that's the word I just came up with. But if you don't have if you don't have that, and you can't if you can't stick to anything, it really doesn't matter what the program is or or if it's awesome. It could be crap. You could have a crap program, but if you just persist and trust in the program, odds are you will achieve better results than you would if you just half-assed a an awesome program and and that's i think that's just crucial because if you if you can't really stick to it doesn't matter what it is and i like to include you know periods of of mental toughness inducing uh periods of time into my program so for instance that'll be maybe a set of heavy singles for like five or six sets just to say that I can do it and, you know, it might, I might not even feel like doing it on that day, but I'll just say, okay, you know, let's just do it. See how it goes. If it, if it goes like crap, at least you made it through. If it's awesome, well, you just prove that you can do it. And the same thing goes with nutrition as well. 
because definitely when a lot of people are trying to make changes to their nutritional program, it's rough up front. And that urge to, to revert back to what you were doing before is, is super strong, especially in like the first two or three weeks. And I found this out with myself when I was uh, kind of struggling with fast food addiction. You know, I, I stopped for a day. I'm like, OK, whew, this is it. Day one. I'm done. All right. Smooth sailing from here. And it go well for a couple of days, but then before I knew it, I was back to doing those same habits and I was just really looking for an excuse to really do it. Like, oh man, the sun, the sun didn't come out today. This, this must be a sign. I gotta, I gotta eat, eat these chicken nuggets because I'm feeling bad that the sun didn't come out. It's, it's depressing me. I must eat to feel good. And you, you know, you really, when on those first two weeks, you kind of have to really suck it up because once you get past that point, it gets better. And that's real. That's really what people fall off is early on when they're still trying to ingrain those new habits into their in their life. And that's I think that's something that the Precision Nutrition uh, Lean Eating Program is definitely good at getting people more on a habit based approach to things as opposed to being you know super specific, which I think helps for people that hate being super specific, but I think the super specific approach works once you have habits in place. So if you're used to eating, you know, uh, what are deemed, you know, clean foods, like, okay, I'm going to eat lean meats, vegetables, blah, 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 blah. You still might be eating way too much to reach your goals, but once you have it, you know, in your mind to, you know, have that process down, it's easy to tinker with it as opposed to trying to take someone who's been living off fast food and, and Twinkies for years and saying, all right, well, those are gone. You're never going to have one of those again. You're going to be eating chicken breasts every day forever. You know, it'll never work, you know? And <laughs> it's, it's, uh, right. it's a big, yeah, I think big part of the puzzle that I don't think a lot of people realize. It's, it's like, pretty much all mental like it all work out. after like, you get the, the nuts and bolts of progressions and everything and locked and down. I think it goes back to just having that why, too, like behind what you're doing. Like, why do I want to eat this way? Like, why not? Yeah, definitely. And um, just like it's a, it's a fun a fun little uh, question I like to ask people. I say, okay, can you – I'm like, what's your favorite food? And they're, for instance, they say, okay, I love Oreos. I'm like, could you eat Oreos every day? They're like, yeah, well, I love to eat Oreos every day. So I'm like, okay, if you can eat Oreos every day, you can also eat this food every day, but they're like, no, I don't like it. I'm like, well, right, practice. You yeah. know, it it, it takes the same amount of effort to eat Oreos every day to, uh, as it takes to eat vegetables. You just have to do it consistently. Kind of and once you is, do it consistently, uh, it becomes like, a habit. You know, about like the death to cake, and I, I think that's kind of like what you're talking about here. But could you share some of the principles like behind that article with the audience? Yeah, um, for those of you that aren't familiar with that article. I think this incident happened a, year, a couple of years ago. I was at I was at uh, I was somewhere somewhere where there was cake, and you know once once you become a trainer and people know that you're like on a pedestal. So if they see you eating anything but like organic air chips or or, or paleo puffs, they 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 will jump on you. So I was at this this event and there was some cake there, and I am a big fan of cake. So I took it upon myself to partake of, uh, of quite a hefty slice. And someone I hadn't seen in years, but they knew that I was a trainer, they were like, whoa, what are you doing? You're a trainer. You're supposed to be eating healthy. And the, the thing is that they take, 
you know, a lot of people, they'll take an isolated incident and they will blow it out of proportion. So if someone sees, you know, let's say, you know, let's use a familiar face. Let's see if someone sees John Berardi out, out in the streets, out of the restaurant, and they are familiar with his, you know, reputation online for being a health and health expert and performance expert. They see a meeting that they're like, whoa, he's, he's eating cake. Man, my opinion of him went straight out the window. But, you know, you're human. You have to eat the foods that you like. You can't just be so gung-ho about never eating the, the, the typical foods you like. Again, there's that deprivation mindset that I think plays a big role in, uh, in sticking with the nutrition program. People think that just because they are depriving themselves of foods that they like that they must be making progress. But I think progress is progress. So if you, your goal is weight loss and you are losing weight, that is progress. So if you are not, if you're eating foods that you don't like, depriving yourself of foods that you do like, and you are still not losing weight, that's not progress in my book. So that, that whole death to cake thing was that you don't have to be so ridiculously obsessive about your food take, food intake. There is room for foods that you love on almost any nutrition program. You know, let's say if someone's a bodybuilder and they're getting down to the last few percentage points of body fat, yeah, they'll have to restrict their food. But there's still room for, you know, some, some M&Ms piece of cake it doesn't really matter you really have to work that in you can work any food that you like into your program as long as you're smart about it and the thing is that it starts being able to work those foods in it starts with being accountable for your other food choices like you can have a piece of cake if you're on top of your nutrition otherwise but if you're eating anything and everything anyway you know that piece of cake it on top of it doesn't even really matter you were kind of going downhill but you de- and I think it helps in the long term once people realize I can eat anything I want as long as I'm accountable for the amount and I make sure that you know I'm getting my my protein in my essential fatty acids and my vegetables and my fruits as long as you hit certain you know base levels anything on top of that as long as you can work it into your you know calorie budget I like to say you know more power to you and people really are are they're resistant to that idea because they think that being in shape and being lean has to be difficult otherwise it's not real like oh man if i if i'm happy with the foods that i'm eating i i can't be on the right path because you know if it tastes good it's not good for me that's something i commonly hear and it it breaks my heart cuz i'm like you're so close to getting the body that you want if you just let go of these these rules that really have no place in getting you to the re, to the end goal, to the end game that you want to achieve. But a lot of people are resistant to letting go. And I think that's really a mindset shift. And that's goes back to sexification. You know, live the life you want. If there are rules that are in your way that don't lead you to get closer to your goal, you know, as long as you're not killing anybody, get rid of the rules because – there's a million ways to get to France. If I, if I wanted to get to France, I could, I could walk if I had, 
you know, the technology to walk on water. Right. Yeah. I think or I could fly if I could fly. There's like a million ways to get there, but there is like no one absolute way to get to any goal. And there's various paths. And as long as you can make it work for you, that's really all that matters in the end. Oh, yeah. Just that unnecessary stress that it causes, like, man, it's something I've been thinking about recently. A lot of people think that the more they think about their goal is, you know, the more they think, the more they think about their goal is conducive to how close they're getting to it. Like someone that thinks about losing fat all day and they think about the food choices, but they don't actually, you know, make take any action on it. Even though they're not really taking any action, that mental stress of thinking about it all the time is still stressing them out. And the fact that they're not getting to the goal stresses them out even more. And it's just, uh, it's just a horrible situation to be in. Like someone that says, oh, I want to I wanna get in shape. And they're thinking about different ways to get in shape. They're researching, they're reading forms, they're doing all of this and that. And they're spending all this mental real estate sucking up information, but they're not doing anything with it and they're not getting the results. It just, it hurts and it makes them even less likely to, you know, pursue it anymore. Cause they're like, Oh, I must be, must be doing right. something yeah, wrong. But the fact is they're like really not doing anything at all other than just yeah. constant in- yep. intake of info without cool. execution. So- From a motivational standpoint, I like to start things off by uh, getting, getting the concept in, into their heads that you only want to make it as difficult as it needs to be. Because I found that the more complex you make something, the more difficult it becomes to stick to it. And if you, like we were saying earlier, if you can't stick to it, it doesn't really matter what it is. So for instance, if someone is just starting, like I have a client that's just getting into the gym for the first time in her life. And instead of even touching her nutrition, I'm just saying, okay, we're going to come in here for an hour, three times a week. We have four exercises to get through. Once you get through them, you're good to go. Anything you do over that is, you know, bonus points. But we're just going to start you off slow. And you and you have to realize that it's a process. And you won't get there, you know, super quickly. But the fact that you are moving towards it is progress in and of itself. And if after a while we start to see that you aren't having the results that you want, we can start to tweak other things. But a lot of people, when they when they get involved, when they're like, I want to get in shape. When they say that, what they really mean is, you know, I wanted to get in shape two years ago. So I'll, I'm going to try and make up for all that lost time by throwing everything, everything I can at this problem. It's, it's like, you know, it's a huge, their problem is a huge monster and they've ignored it. They, they saw the monster when it was a baby, but they ignored it. So now it's this huge, you know, tentacle creature with like eight heads and, and like a pair of Nikes on. And they're like, okay, this is a big problem. I want to get rid of it now. So they're going to throw all the artillery at it. You know, they're doing their weight training five times a week. They're doing intervals six times a week. They're doing running every day. They're not eating anything at all. And it just burns them out. And the goal of anything is to really prevent burnout because once you burn out, people fall off hard and that's not motivating at all. So I think small steps and making it as only as difficult as it needs to be to get to your goal is a key. And one of the things that, you know, I, I enjoy and this is, um, you know, someone that I respect is uh, Martin Birkin and his lean gain system and intermittent fasting is that he makes it only as difficult for his clients as it needs to be. And the results that his clients are showing definitely are a testament to that 
because, you know, he gives them guidelines and then he gives them ways to adjust it based off how they, you know, how, how they are, you know, adjusting to it. So uh, if you haven't checked out Lean Gains, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but definitely check out his client testimonials. And the thing is, once you show someone how easy it can be, that it doesn't have to be difficult, that's all the motivation they need because, A, it's easy to stick to, and then, B, they're getting the results. So there's not that disconnect between, oh, if it's not difficult, then it must not be working. You know, if it's easy and I'm getting results, that's all the motivation you need. Once you start seeing those results, you will you would be foolish to try and make it more difficult for no reason other than for the sake of difficulty and you know, I, I love it, and I've been doing intermittent fasting myself for about a year now, and it's actually become, you know, I, I can't go back to the five or six meals a day just because yeah. it, it's so unnecessary. Yeah, I just have to say, I'm a and huge fan of Martin Burke, and really I think he does fit into a great my, job. my mental and, uh, I'm definitely in a intermittent fasting of everything and everything right I've learned, and I that's all the motivation I really so need, simple. and yeah, yeah absolutely. love I think- it. The like one of the more kind of fancy terms for that is like Occam's razor. It's just trying to find the absolute minimum to achieve your either minimum effective dose, as some people call yep. it. Yeah. I'll have uh, links to all that stuff in the show notes so our audience can check it out. Cool. So let's yep. say somebody's gotten kind of to a base level of fitness. Yeah. Like if they're trying to yep. get as strong as possible, like what should they be doing? So if someone's looking to really just get, I'll leave I'll leave powerlifters out of the the equation just because they're competing for that so the training is structured for those lifts. But uh, for the general fitness enthusiast, I think that you know the, there's a couple ways to get strong. You can lift uh, a light load very quickly or a heavy load very slowly. But for most people, I think just lifting heavy will get them stronger just because that your body adapts to what you ask of it. So if if you don't like, you know, I'm thinking if you don't ask a question, you won't get an answer. The same thing goes with your body. If you don't, you know, constantly ask of it to to better itself, it won't get better. It will just stay stagnant. So if you want to get stronger, you want to be lifting heavier over time. And the rep ranges for that definitely vary. You know, you could do heavy singles if you're comfortable. That will def- that always gets you stronger just because you're lifting so close to your maximum, you, you will get stronger. But it's not the only way. I personally, for my clients, uh, for certain exercises like the, the bar, like the squat, deadlifts, I, I generally keep them in maybe the three to five range or actually three to eight, actually. So, for instance, I um, – I was turned on to this by Martin Birkin as well. It's called the reverse pyramid training. And it's based off the concept that you want your first set after your warm up, you want that to be your heaviest set. And then everything from that on, you're decreasing weight and adding repetitions. And it, it makes so much sense when you think about it. But, you know, usually people's last set is their heaviest set. And by that point, they're already fatigued. And if they're fatigued, you know, their form goes out the window, they might hurt themselves. So, Something that I, I've experienced with myself and my clients is that first set, say, for instance, a squat, you warm up. Okay, first set, you're going to do a heavy set of like two or three. So they'll be fresh for that. The weight goes up fine, done. And then they'll drop their weight by a certain percent. And then they'll do a like for, say, for instance, 10%. And they'll aim to do another rep 
that next set than whatever they got the first set. So say they got two reps the first set, the second set, they drop at 10%, aim for three. And then the second set after that, aim for four. And really, like I was saying before, physique changes definitely chase strength gains. So whatever your goal is, you know, you really want to be aiming for strength. So for instance, if you want to get leaner, you want to maintain the intensity of your exercises, which means you want to keep as much weight on the bar as you can when you're, you're in a deficit so that you give your body a reason to hold on to its muscle. Because, you know, if you, if you lose your muscle, you lose your shape, you lose your strength, it's not, not really a good look. And even if you want to get stronger, the only way to get stronger is to literally get stronger, add more weight over time, add reps over time. So it's... There's a lot of things to play with, but just to keep it simple, just get stronger over time. So set a wide rep range for a certain exercise. So say, for instance, you want to squat. You're squatting maybe 315 pounds now for two reps. Over time, you want that to go up. So if you're squatting it two times now. Right. Months from yeah, now, if you're squatting it eight times, you have gotten stronger. Even though the weight hasn't changed, you've been able to perform under that load more times than you were before, which is progress. In my yeah, it's prioritize like, uh, strength gains uh, above all else, and like, like, you know, your strength will increase like, and your physique will like as well. If that's anything that uh, kind of people can take away from this, athlete. yeah, I definitely think they're necessary, but to the degree that people, you know, uh, talk about that, that's I definitely bring that into question. If your whole program, if your goal is to get stronger, get faster, or get increase anything get increase your strength look better you definitely want to have a, a minimum level of you know mobility and flexibility and i'm i'm a an example of this i'm sure the reason that my deadlift hurts me is just because i'm a mess movement wise you know i have tight hamstrings i don't have any internal rotation my hips are tight i don't have any you know upper back extension i'm just i'm just a mess and it shows itself in the way that i move and you'll, your body is smart. It'll be able to compensate up until a certain point. But once you cross that threshold, you know, it, you know, muscles are doing job and joints are doing jobs they're not supposed to do. And when you ask too much of it, they will break down and you will get injured. So I definitely think there's a place uh, for things such as mobility, extra mobility drills and flexibility drills. But you're right. If, if you are, once you, once you have that level of mobility, you want to add strength to it in order to you know, be able to control it and maintain it. So I, I like, for instance, if I stop squatting, squatting deep as I do now, sat in a chair uh, for, you know, up to eight hours at a time and did none of my, you know, hip flexor mobility drills, I, I would definitely lose that pattern of, of squatting over time. And it would, it would be a train wreck because movement, movement's something that, you know, we're given as, as children and, you know, we take it for granted, but as we get older, we lose that ability to move well. And that is, is something people get away from. But if, if movements like that or prehab exercises are dominating your program uh, and you don't need it, I kind of question the, the, you know, the productiveness of that program past a certain point. You know, I, lo I love things like core, like planks and things like that, just because you know, people usually have weak cores, and that's been shown a bit to contribute to low back pain. So there's nothing you, – you can strengthen your core 
in a, a lot of different ways in the program. So as long as you are actively doing it, you know, a lot of people say squats and deadlifts are all the core work you need, but I don't, I don't really agree with that. So you can put some isolated, you know, core exercise into your program, but you also want to make sure that the muscles that you're using are activated, such as the glutes, for instance. A lot of people that are, are mainly sedentary and seated, you know, they forget how to use their glutes. And I think, you know, glute activation drills are, are wonderful, especially because if your glutes aren't firing, that it's the powerhouse of your body. So you're you're missing a huge piece in your lower back and uh, will take a beating if your glutes really aren't firing. So you definitely want to make sure that you are are taking care of those things from uh, from not only a physique standpoint, from posture and just well-being. But once you have you know adequate levels of mobility and flexibility yeah, that sounds great um, the big lifts happy, you know will like help maintain that like you won't have to work as hard to get them so, yeah as yeah. you do to maintain well, as you would have so to if there work were just to like maintain them if that makes any sense you could share with people for just being like healthy and fit uh, it, it's just on a very general basis before we run <laughs> here like what would they be like what are some things you often see people making a mistake with and in your practice Number one is definitely pay more attention to the amount of food they're eating. Uh, that would be my number one thing just because it's so easy to, to guesstimate yourself into being overweight or not eating enough to support the training that you're doing. So I encourage you know everyone that listens to this to track what they're eating at least for a short period of time. You know I found that most guys in general usually eat the same foods in rotation, it's definitely not the same with, with women, I've found. Women women like a lot of variety as far as their food goes. But most guys, they have like some staples that they'll just rotate in and out. But you definitely want to track your intake and make sure that it's leading them towards their goals. And if, if, not, if nothing else, they don't have a goal they're really uh, trying to achieve right now, just the knowledge of how much you're taking in and how off you probably are as opposed to what the number per se will definitely do you worlds of good in the future. And then you can, once you get used to it and kind of attach a, uh, you know, a certain calorie intake with a certain eyeball portion of what you're eating, you can kind of guesstimate and eyeball it from that point. But I think people, a lot more people need experience with just tracking their intake uh, consistently for a few weeks. Also just get stronger over time. Like I, I, I know I've said it a lot during this interview, but the stronger you, whatever your goal is, you want to be strong because it's a, it's a quote that, that Mark Ripito said, and I think it's kind of funny, but it's true. Uh, strong people are harder to kill than weak people and more useful in general. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's true. You know, if, if you see someone that's just, just weak and frail, you know, odds are, you know, they, they don't have a physique that you envy. And B, you know, they they probably they probably feel it. They they have this inkling inside of themselves that they are not prepared for life, or not prepared to take advantage of the the things in life that you know might they might want to take advantage of. They're just not in a position to do that, and that that's not a really good mental uh, ball and chain to have attached to yourself. So get stronger over time. Whatever you're doing, if you're if you're deadlifting, hey. Uh, uh, two pounds. If you have those micro plates, two pounds every other week. Doesn't matter. You could probably progress faster, but as long as you're progressing, either in your weight, 
or repetitions or how fast you're lifting the weight, just get stronger. It, it helps your life out. It helps your, your mental uh, perception of yourself and the world around you. The stronger you are, the better you just, just feel. You, I don't, it's hard to explain, but that's definitely something I would stress on people. And then one more is really to just make sure that the goals you have are your own because it's so easy to get led down a path where you're following goals that you don't want and you you don't want to achieve and you you don't even know it until you get there and achieve them and realize you've you've wasted your time here on earth pursuing something that you did not want so you you have wasted time that you are never going to get back and do just doing things that you don't want to do to a certain extent is is pointless given the finite amount of time that we have here on earth you should be doing you know things that you're passionate about of course you're gonna have to do things you know pay your bills and stuff like that you know you don't want to be homeless but you want to love what you are pursuing because if you i i haven't experienced this yet and i hope that i don't but I don't want to wake up 40 years from now and realize, oh, man, I've been pursuing something that I didn't even really like. And I'm like 60, 65 years old. And I'm like, well, at best, I at best I have, you know, maybe another 35 years left. At worst, I might die tomorrow and I have wasted my time here. So whatever your goals are, make sure that they're yours and that they're not uh, goals just to impress someone or to make others hopefully perceive you differently right, so whatever you want to do just make sure it's what you want to do and do it aware, and you will be a lot happier than if you just awesome. yeah. kind of followed the crowd and did what others do just <laughs> for the sake of doing well, it thank you so much roger for doing this you've been this absolutely incredible uh, i hope everyone goes to your website it's really it's a great design for one thing but it's very entertaining and kind of great information <laughs> thank you so much for coming if you found our show useful, you can really help us by checking out our blog, signing up for email, and basically just doing things like liking us on Facebook or liking us on iTunes, which helps other people find us. I'm incredibly thankful to all of our, our followers who have so far really just been so supportive on the Internet and really helped the visibility of our blog grow. This is one of those things where I, I have a full-time job. I work as an executive at a, at a big computer security company. I do this because it helps people and because it's fun and because it changed my life. If it helps you, that's awesome. Take care. I'll see you soon. A Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.